This meeting is being recorded. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Edna White. I am your host for Keeping It Real On Purpose, where you talk to real people about real things, about real life, all on purpose. And today, our guest is Farooz. I'm going to mess his name, this name. I'm not going to mess it up. Danashari. Yeah, yes. I'm getting better, getting better. My audience knows me as, um, because I have dyslexia, sometimes it's hard for me to kind of form the letters. And I see it, I, I hear you saying it. I'm not a great re a repeater of the language, I will say, of any, most languages. So um, I have to get it. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. And, and I know you're an author. But I want to ask you a question. How do you show up in the world? Oh, wow. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a surgeon scientist. I uh, okay. was born in Iran, uh, immigrated here with my family, raised in Chicago, where I completed my training at the Loyola University of Chicago, then uh, moved to Colorado with my newly wedded wife we've been married for over 30 years and uh oh congratulations in, thank you in colorado and then that's where i <clears throat> completed my urology training and then went to ut southwestern where i did my fellowship training in female urology and out of that career i came up with the concept of combining the field between urology and gynecology that brought me back to cleveland clinic at cleveland where mm -hmm. I started the very first fellowship program where what is called now female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgery, a mouthful, but really taking care of women yeah, with is the, uh, female pelvic floor disorders. And I rose through the rank of academia very fast, became the chair of a couple of departments, the last one at Case Western Reserve University. Mm -hmm. So that is where I uh because of the success of the program I was leading, uh, they asked me to serve on the board of a health system. Uh, it was about uh, 11 hospitals, hundreds of uh, outpatient facilities, about $3 billion a year revenue. During that uh, serving on the board, my eyes opened up to the fact that uh, I work in a sick care system and not a healthcare system. So, as my mm. nature of uh, being a scientist, I started investigating why we have become the most expensive healthcare in the world, why uh, we have the best trained people, the best technology, but uh, the healthcare has become so unaffordable. So I went to a business school and I spent two years studying the root causes of, uh, you know, why the employers became the sponsor of healthcare for working mm -hmm. Americans, mm -hmm. why. The Medicare was born, why we didn't choose the single payer system. And out of that, I came up with the, with the conclusions that I've written in my book, uh, recently published called Health Guardianship, the Remedy to the Sick Care System. So I would mm -hmm. love to explain the, the concept, but I'm going to pause here and let you ask okay. me a question. So it's a, it's a mouthful, but I wanted to, to ask you, what do you mean by sick care system? Sure. So um, when you read in the book, if you go back 100, 
20, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, where uh, we didn't have anesthesia, we didn't have surgeries, we didn't have blood transfusion. So uh, the life expectancy was in 50s and 60s. Uh, women, about 20, 30% chance of dying during the childbirth. The, I know the children will die with infectious diseases and so forth. So the infectious diseases were number one cause of death. So after we discovered the bacteria and the germs and found out how we can prevent them, we started learning that the best way to prevent the infectious diseases is to provide clean water, clean food, vaccination. And within a couple of decades, we were able to eradicate the infectious disease as number one cause of death. Um, then mm -hmm. we started realizing that the next one is cardiovascular disease, one is cancer and so forth. So we started putting our efforts in finding out what causes heart attack, strokes, cancers. And out of that, right. we came up with a, lots of diagnostic and uh, ther uh, therapeutic tools. And we house we house them in the institutions called hospitals. Hospitals in the mm. turn of the century were charity houses run by you know religious organizations, you know charitable organizations, where you go down lay there and kind of pray and have warm food and you know warm bed until you declare yourself you know alive or dead. But the hospitals started absorbing the. Uh, you know, the uh, surgeries became the site of diagnosis, x-rays, and so forth. So what happened over the past 100 years, uh, we have created institutions uh, that we call them hospitals that have become the site for taking care of sick when we are sick. Mm. Although they call themselves healthcare system, but they yeah. don't really financially, the hospitals make money and benefit from it when we are sick, when they do procedures on us, when they right. you know, make uh, imaging and so forth. So that's why it's a misnomer that we call them the healthcare. It's really a sick right. care system. So they're there to take care of us when we are sick. Uh, and that is the terminology, I think, not only uh, speaks to the true nature of the hospitals. So the healthcare, what we call healthcare in the U.S., uh, are delivered through about 5,000 hospitals that are really institutions for sick care. That makes so much sense. Right. I'm, I'm, I, I really, I, I embrace that sick, sick care, care system. Care. I, yeah. yeah, I really, I really embrace that because I think that really is what they right. are and not for health. So if all. I may... If I may follow up on that, over the past hundred years, the same time we discovered how we can make a, you know, diagnosis and so forth, we have gathered significant amount of scientific information on how we can prevent these diseases, how we can eradicate some of these diseases, very much like we did with infectious diseases. We know what the risk factors for obesity are, obesity being number one. Uh, cause of some of the mortalities. We realized that in, during the COVID, there was a linear correlation between mortality from COVID and obesity. Uh, we know exactly what causes the wow. diabetes. We yeah. know exactly what causes the cardiovascular disease. So we have more information about how to mitigate the risk and prevent those conditions than frankly, we know how to treat them. However, uh -huh. the the problem, the problem is 
although we have the institutions to take care of sick care, we don't have any institutions who could basically help us to remain healthy and financially benefit from that. So we don't have institutions who at the age of you know 20, if I have two kids in the age of 20, start helping them to remain healthy, adopt lifestyle changes that would prevent them nearly 100% to become diabetic or right. obese when they're in their 40s and 50s. So the whole theme of my book and uh, my new career is what I call the health guardianship. Very much like we build the public health at the turn of the past century, I believe with some mm-hmm. changes, it's not a major change, we don't need the act of Congress. With some changes in the current system, we can create institutions that I call them health guardianship. Their job okay. becomes to protect us from becoming sick. So very much like COVID, if you remember, during the COVID, public health was issuing uh, orders and decrees that wear masks, you know, have social distancing, do this and do that. That was we did, right. all of us did, right? And then if we got sick, you know, in 2020, we knew we had to go to the hospital if we were sick enough. But if we were... Yeah not sick and we want to basically remain uh, free from COVID or even if we got the touch of COVID, we wanted to stay home and so forth. That is where I think the needs are. At this point, uh, the public health takes care of our clean food and water and vaccination. We have hospitals who would take care of us when we are sick. I propose that we need institutions who basically start helping us to remain healthy by integrating the clinical uh, science and other changes that we need to make, because biologically we know, or I know as a surgeon scientist, we all of us could live to age of 100 without chronic conditions. The reason we are, yeah, the reason we are, we have ton of examples around the world, people who live to 100, right? Warren mm-hmm. Buffett is 92. He's still running one of the wealthiest companies in the yeah, world. He sure right, is. His right man side hand, Charles Mon- Charles Munger, is 99 now, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. they're running uh, the you know they're running the businesses and so forth. So, mm-hmm. if we could do this correctly within this century, we would create a new segment in our healthcare. Right. I call it health guardianship, that would help us to remain right. healthy. Wonderful. That sounds exciting. I mean, I, I hope that you're you're on the cutting edge of doing putting this together and moving it forward. Because that, that's something that we really do need. And I like the words health guardianship. I do. Indeed I am. Actually, I after I reached to this conclusion mm-hmm. that this is the way to go, or this is the I mean, I, it is Basically, the, after two years of spending in the business of school, I came up with these findings. A, we're the most expensive healthcare in the world. We are spending Absolutely. three three to 500% more than the rest of the world, the Europeans and Japanese. Absolutely. We are spending 11,000 per capita per person per year. Uh, wow. Europeans and Japanese are spending three to 5,000 per, per person per year. Number two, the reason we are so expensive because so-called the healthcare is delivered through these 5,000 hospitals that are mm-hmm. sick care, really. And because of 
they generate what they do because they get paid for everything they do. They generate 50% of waste. Waste means the procedures, diagnostic, therapeutic, and so forth. They do it because they get paid for it, but doesn't help us to be healthy. It's right. like a mechanic that you take, you take your car to, they, because you have an insurance, because you're not paying out of pocket, they'll do, mm -hmm. you take them for oil change, but also they end up changing the engine and the tires and right, the right. <laughs> yes. yeah. which really you didn't need to begin with. The reason this uh, uh, waste continues to exist is because there are system, some systematic misalignments in the system. Mm -hmm. The three main systematic misalignments are over the past 20, 30 years, the hospitals have started employing the doctors. So if 100 years ago, if I was a doctor and you were my patient, we, mm -hmm. you were my, uh, I was a doctor, you were my patient with my hand. Okay. We okay. both lived in the same neighborhood. We bought from the same grocery stores, from bakeries, the butchery. And I would see you and your family members. And when you come to me with some symptoms or illnesses, I would render my opinion, my expertise based on all that information I had. And I knew mm -hmm. tomorrow morning, if I overdid it, or if I charge you extra tomorrow morning, I'm going to see you in the grocery store. And I, right. you know, that relationship existed. This right. relationship upon which the largest industry in the world has been built on now has been filled with 20 intermediaries, at least 20 insurance companies, hospitals, employers. And what wow. has happened, the hospitals have started employing the doctors. And that is where kind of uh, my aha moment came because at the hospital where I was working, we had a financial projection for the year. We know how many surgeries we had to do. We needed how many... Mm -hmm procedures we do to make our margins. So my job as the chair of the department was to come and beat on my faculty, beat on my doctors to basically rather than seeing 20, 30 patients a day, see 40, 50, 60 patients a day because they needed to generate that volume. If they didn't do that, wow. then I would lower their salary. So this single most important financial uh, misalignment there is that the doctors now have become the agent of the hospitals, not the agent of the patient. Because when my oh. faculty, when I started, when I started threatening my faculties, lowering their salary more no, tomorrow morning, when he or she would go to her office, what I would see, would see out of you as the potential patient is how much more can I do on you to basically create clinical volume so my salary won't be cut. Right. So that is the first misalignment. The second yeah. misalignment is over the past hundred years, first the employers and then the federal government became what is known as the third party payer. Let me give you an example. When okay. you tomorrow, right after this podcast, you decide you're going to go and buy a TV, right? You go mm -hmm. to a couple of stores. If you want to buy it, not buy it online. You compare the prices and the quality you probably read some reviews and you choose. You're a consumer, but you control your money and you act as a customer. In healthcare, someone else on your behalf has decided what kind of coverage you could have, what kind of yeah. price they're gonna pay on your side. That is called a third party payer. Gotcha. So this third party oh. payer 
basically pays for that 50% waste out of your pocket. Because at the end of the day, if you're an employee and you're getting your health insurance through your employer, no one Mm -hmm. gives free money to your employer to provide you with health insurance. Your company company has to make that money. And if that money is spent basically 50% extra for the, for the waste of the hospitals, that is coming out of your pocket. That is mm-hmm. coming out of your earnings if you are employed and getting your insurance from your employer, and is coming out of our tax mm-hmm. dollars when we go to the Medicaid. So that is the second mm-hmm. misalignment. A third mm-hmm. party payer, government and the, the insurance companies, basically they they pay for the waste of that secure system out of your pockets or out of your tax dollars. So these are the uh, details that I've explained in the book. And the solution is, as you said, as soon as I figured this out, I said, this could be fixed. We as Americans are very smart. As Churchill said, we do everything wrong until we find the right thing. And we yeah. do. And yeah. I think the time, the time has arrived for us Because frankly, the healthcare uh, has reached to the point that neither the government or the private could afford it because it's so expensive. The cost of providing healthcare for an employee now in the U.S. has reached to $30,000 for a family of four. The average cost of housing is half of that, almost $17,000. Yep. The average cost of food is about 6,000. It's five times more than the average cost of food, the healthcare. And the food is the most essential yeah. need we have. So yeah. what I did after I figured this out, I said the best way in the US that the new ideas flourish and come up is when you go and form in a startup company, right? Mm-hmm. Is over the past 40 years, companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, and so forth, they started in garages, right? The new ideas are born out of the entrepreneurs. And so from a surgeon scientist, I became an entrepreneur. I opened a company called Bowtie Medical. Okay. And to basically build up the health guardianship. Uh, So over the past few years, we have embarked on this whole journey of creating the model of health guardianship and selling it to the employers and their employees. Wonderful. So how does that look to an employee? Employer. Like, you know, your employer, how does that look to an employer? Sure. What do you offer? So what, what we do is we come to your employer, let's say you work for a company that has 100, 200 employees. Currently, the way your employer buys the health insurance for you is called the full insurance. They go to a, you know, an insurance company and buy the full insurance. That yeah. is the most expensive they can do. That. We go yeah. to that company. We say, we are going to transfer you to a self-insured model. Self-insured meaning the employer is self-insuring itself. And so we partner with the employer in that self-insurance, we have a captive self-insurance. Okay. We provide a health guardianship that in basically consists of a primary care 24-7. So you have access on your phone, on your tablet, on your mobile device, 24-7 to a group of doctors and nurses 
who are there to provide the care you need. Oh, yes. Whether the care is mm -hmm. an acute care, you have a you know sinus infection, earache, or right, right. managing your blood pressure or your diabetes and so forth. And then if you need to go and see a specialist, we have access to a specialist. We make the second opinion because we mm -hmm. want to make sure we become your guardian. We become your Sherpa, if you will. We want to help you to navigate the complex maze of the sick care system to avoid that 50% waste and also get you the best price for the services you need. Currently, five miles from where I am standing now, if I want to get an MRI of my knee or my you know, neck or whatever, if I go to a hospital, that right. would charge me somewhere about $4,000. If I go right. to an independent facility, I can pay as low as three to $400. But this outrage difference in prices are invisible to the consumer because, as I right. said, the, so our team that is made of uh, primary care doctors, nurses, advisors, we become mm -hmm. really your agent. We are 24-7 available to you to help you to get your care needs. And if you need a specialist or a procedure, we help you to find the best one for the best price. Out of this setup, we have shown that we can deliver 30, 40, 50% savings, meaning reducing the cost for your employer by 30, 40, 50%. And of mm -hmm. course, the employer realizing those savings, they have a better chance of using those savings toward increasing your wages or giving more benefits and so That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That is impressive. Is that in your state where you are or are you trying to expand around now? We are focusing, I'm in Ohio. We are focusing in Ohio, mm -hmm. but currently we have members in over 30 states. So okay. depending on the size of the employer, we don't have any geographical limitations. Any employer could become our client. Okay. So um, what's the name of your book? Can you flash it for us real quick? Oh, so sure. we can the, see it. <laughs> the book is, sure. The book is called Health Guardianship. Okay. The remedy right. to the sick care system is available. And how on, can they order that? How can they it order? It's available on Amazon. Um, okay. You just uh, type it health guardianship, or if you remember my name, Hiroz Danishkeri, and Amazon will send it to you. It's available uh -huh. in soft cover, hard cover, and audible, and also in Kindle. Okay. And if oh, wonderful. Make, if it makes you to help you, my son, who has a wonderful voice, has narrated the audible one, uh, so you can listen to it and enjoy his voice as well. He's a he's a he's a musician. So. Oh, nice. Okay, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> That's very nice. Yes, yes. So now that you're doing this, how can employers um, contact you? Um, our website is uh, www.bowtiemedical, like the bowtie. And mm -hmm. I would explain to you why we named it as bowtie, but the company is Bowtie Medical. I am, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, they can search me, Firuz Danishkeri, or my email is fd, 
frankdavid okay. at bowtimemedical.com. They can contact Wonderful. me. So if you're interested in hearing why I called it a bow tie, are you? Sure, I want to know this. <laughs> okay. Now, is to begin with, because I wear bow ties. Uh, so that was the thing. Oh, but, okay. But the concept of the bow tie actually is more of a relates to the health guardianship. Okay. If, and that is a, the bow tie risk management is taught in the business schools. Let me actually bring your okay. bow tie so I can show it to you. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> So this is a bow tie, as you could see. Okay. There is a knot in the middle of the bow tie, mm -hmm. right? And there is a wing on the right side and the wing on the left, right? So the concept is the knot in the middle is an event that uh, may happen in the future. Okay. This event could be obesity, heart attack, cancer, Ooh, any medical good. issues. Right? That's it, yeah. Right, so the things we can do is we can basically work here on the right side as I'm looking at it to prevent mm -hmm. that event from happening. Or we can wait for that event to happen and react to it. I'll give you an example. You can turn okay. this event into fire. You can use it as a car crash or airline crash or chemical spill, right? Right. In the in healthcare currently, that's why I call it a sick care. We wait for that event happen. We wait for the chest pain to come in. We wait for the diabetes to happen. Then we go to doctor, and the doctors have plenty of pills and surgeries and injections and so forth. And that's why it's a sick care. Right. Whereas uh, there are other industries that they say no, occurrence of this event is unacceptable. The best example of it is airline. The very first flight happened less than 120 years ago. But in airline industry since then, in 1903, we decided mm -hmm. that the airline crash is unacceptable, right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise, we will, no one would fly. So we put the right. entire, entire effort of the airline industry on risk mitigation, preventing the airline crash. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and out of that we have created the safest mode of transportation within 118 years. These now it is safer to fly with an airplane that is safer to drive with car or with animals. The animals and uh, cars kill more people on the ground than the airlines that you know fly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So within 118 oh. years we have created the safest mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. The reason is we have put all of our efforts saying the airline crash by catching a fire at the 30,000 feet elevation is unacceptable. Therefore, the entire mm -hmm. industry is pre-flight check, checklist and risk mitigation, right? The second successful example is the fire. When we came out of the caves as human and lived in the structures, we realized the fire is a risk. And therefore, we have embedded risk mitigation for fire prevention in our lives. All of us have a smoke okay. detectors. We teach our kids how to prevent mm -hmm. fire, how to escape fire. And therefore, we have built 
you know, skyscrapers like Sears Towers and Paris days that have a suit there for decades without the risk of fire. Right? Right. Whereas in okay. healthcare, whereas in healthcare, we always have focus on left side of the bow tie. So we wait for the event to happen. It's like a, we wait for the cliff. You fall off the cliff, then we take you with an ambulance. Yeah. So my, my proposal is the time has arrived for us to focus the attention of the healthcare from the sick care part of the healthcare to the healthcare to prevent the risks for all the major chronic conditions that our population is suffering from. Obesity, mm -hmm. diabetes, cardiovascular, because scientifically we know nearly all those conditions could be prevented. Mm -hmm. The only reason we haven't done it is because we don't have institutions, we don't have business models who could benefit from prevention. We do have business models who benefit from treating them, but we don't have right. a business model to pre benefit from. Uh, that's why I formed a company called Bowtie Medical to create the first model of this health guardianship. That's good. That is really good. We thank you, Dr. Ferris, for giving, being Absolutely. here today. It was really informative, and I learned something new. I really did. Well, I, I knew it, but I awesome. didn't know it. And you helped, helped me and my audience know a bit more, much more about sick care system. I will never Excellent. call it health care again. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> and yeah. I, I know my audience really thanks you. I thank you. And this brings us to the end of the show. We hope that the audience really loved it because I did. And I want you to like, subscribe, and share it around so that we can get all of this in front of the right people so that we can have a health guardianship that we all need. This is Edna White and my guest, Dr. Faraz, saying for bye for now. Thank you so much, Edna. I appreciate it.